Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Grandpa Jimmy. I'm the host of the Family and Stories podcast. There's a cowboy living in Celeste, Texas, by the name of Randy Bird, and he has a most unusual story to tell. Not only does he work a ranch from the back of a horse, he also makes some of the most beautiful handcrafted custom saddles in the country. That may not sound so unusual for a cowboy until you learn that he's paralyzed from the chest down and has been for 35 years. His story is remarkable, and at its core is a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Randy, welcome to this podcast. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing very good. How about you? It looks like it's bright, sunny, and warm in Texas. It is. It's a great morning here in Texas. Uh, I'm I'm jealous. It's 26 degrees at my house here in Colorado Springs. Well, we're in God's country. I've I've heard that said before. And let me tell all of our listeners, we're actually doing this by FaceTime on by phone. So if there's a few little breakups in here, just be patient with us, and we'd appreciate it a great deal. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you what happened and put you in the wheelchair. But first, tell our listeners how a cowboy who's paralyzed from the chest down can ride a horse. How do you do that? Uh, well, what we did was uh, we just asked and overcome. I mean, I've <laughs> always been a cowboy all my life. And uh, trying to ride and do things, that's, that's just what we do. And so I, I just invented a saddle that we could ride with. and. Uh, over the years, just kept perfecting it. So these, these really, these saddles are made for people who otherwise would have no way of riding a horse. I mean, these strap around your waist. Or... Right. That's uh, called a belly band. That's what we call it. So it holds you in place. That's what it's been doing for you for 30-plus years. Exactly. That's exactly right. And we've made improvements along the way, you know, contour in the back where it's it kind of swings around. It has a little contour to it, to kind of the shape of your back. And there's, there's just been all kinds of uh, new adjustments that we've made and improvements. And, and you make these for children. I was looking on your website, and I noticed that you do a lot of these for kids who have disability issues. Yeah, we do. Uh, spinal bifida, muscular dystrophy, cerebral palsy, amputees, uh, just whatever they've got get get the job done for whatever their needs really are. Well, you know, one thing I read on your website uh, that was really neat, Randy, it was a quote from Winston Churchill that said, the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man. And I've heard exactly. so much exactly. about that. It's it's amazing what horses do to bring healing to people, isn't it? Horses are healers from God. It's always been evident uh, when you get some little kids around horses that they automatically are just drawn to them. And uh, I believe God did that for the purpose of what we call today hippotherapy. Now, I've never heard that word before, hippotherapy. What is that? Yeah, hippo, hippotherapy. You'd think that they'd be riding a bunch of hippopotamuses, but uh, hippotherapy is uh, through research they've uh, developed and understand now that the movement of the hips, the, the rocking movement of riding, the walking of a horse, it, it actually sends the blood up and down the spinal cord exactly the same way as if the person was walking. I had no idea. So riding a horse is actually really healthy. 
very healthy for you. And uh, along with the, the physical aspect that it does for you, uh, these kids that have, uh, you know, like spinal bifida, muscular dystrophy, cerebral palsy, uh, muscular sclerosis, I, I mean, uh, they their whole problem is uh, they, they have all kinds of cramping and in their muscles and things, and, and that's just crying out the muscle, crying out to be used. And, and so when you get horseback, uh, say we've got a kid with uh, MS, you know, and, and he's drawn up. He's just, his whole body's just drawn up. You put him on a horse and you walk him around in about 20, 30 minutes, his legs are just dropped down and loose as spaghetti. Uh, it, it's just amazing what happens. They, they did a... And it's more, it's great physical, but it's even more for the mental aspect of what it can do for kids and adults. I tell you what, when you no, see the, when you see those kids get on that horse and that smile breaks out, that's got to be pretty amazing. Hey, and I, my wife and I have been so fortunate, uh, you know, over 30 years to be able to uh, see kids uh, think that they can't do this ever again uh and a lot of the people that we work with are uh, ranch people and you know have a background in horses but there's some schools now that uh have taken up uh the, the therapeutic riding are are helping just just kids from the city who've never even seen a horse or rode a horse or anything like that and uh one of the the great tests that, that I like to brag about is they, they take uh, uh, 60 kids and they put autistic kids, you know, from basically not physically uh, so handicapped, but uh, the, the mental aspect in their mind, you know, autism, they don't want to be touched and they don't talk and they can't look you straight in the eyes and all of those kind of things. And they took 60 autistic kids and put them in a classroom setting like they would for for any other kid that was going to school and uh, they kept them for 90 days that way and then they took 60 autistic kids and they put them horseback and did like the hippotherapy program uh, where it starts out where they brush the horse and they do everything that involves uh, of course, with a lot of help from other people, but they they do every aspect from getting the horse out of the stall to getting him saddled and riding him. And uh, at the end of the 90 days, the kids in the classroom setting showed little or no um, gain at all. Uh, but the kids that were horseback, some of them were talking, some of them were, were, were hugging. They all had hugging on their mind because they'd been hugging on their horses and uh, they let people hug and and touch them uh, like they have never been done before and so that was a, a huge breakthrough to know that horses really are healers i'll tell you what god knew what he was doing when he made a horse didn't he <laughs> I'll tell you, that is absolutely amazing. I've heard about things like that. Do, uh, do you actually have like a school for kids to come? Yeah, sure. For for us, it's basically one-on-one. -on -one, but at our church, 
we have a uh, Lynn and Rusty Turner, and they have a facility which is a couple of miles from our church here, and it's called Heavenly Hooks. They have they help kids free. It, it's this is a huge money maker, Jim, uh, in in the therapeutic world, and our people are so felt compelled by God to reach out to kids that couldn't afford it, that that wouldn't be able to to come up with the, the money or the transportation stuff that it takes to get all the way to different places that you have to go to to get this therapy for your children. And so they opened it up at their own little ranch. I would imagine one of the things that they're also doing is they're bringing a message of Jesus to these kids as well. They are bringing it to the children and to their parents. Well, I'll tell you what, that is that is absolutely wonderful. My goodness. Anybody that's listening to this, if you know of any children that are disabled like this, and this could be an opportunity for you to get them involved in something that would really be a blessing. Hey, God is good, and he never leaves anybody out. And well, let's... for those of you who may be listening that think God doesn't even know your name or or doesn't care anything about you, that that is really just a lie of the devil straight from the pit of hell because Jesus came to die for all of us. God uh, asked him, and he knew what was going to happen. And yet, Jesus came anyway, and he died for all. He came that all could be rescued. The word saved in the Greek translates rescued. And so I thank God uh, that that Jesus was willing to come rescue a whole world. <laughs> you aren't kidding. And, and thank God for horses to help rescue some of these kids as well, physically and mentally both. Well, let me ask you this. This is the big question I wanted to get to, and I think people would like to know, what happened to you 35 years ago? I've always been a cowboy, and I'd been to a roping and a cutting. God had called me to preach when I was a kid, but I I, I had a daddy that was a preacher, and, and I didn't I didn't want to preach. I, I just did not want to to do anything that my dad was the preacher, not me. So you were actually you were actually a born again Christian at a, a very young age. Yeah, I, I was saved at seven years old, and uh, it was a night where uh, I had a revival, and my dad was uh, the, the preacher, and uh, in one of those little long shotgun little Baptist churches, you know, and, uh, and there I was course a pastor's kid on the back row and uh he i don't know how many uh verses of uh uh come uh i don't know how many verses was sung but my dad said hey there's somebody here tonight i know the holy spirit is moving i know there's somebody here tonight to, that, that's going to accept jesus and after about 15 or so uh, verses, there I did. I stepped out on the back row, and my dad said, Hallelujah, 
thank you, Jesus. He didn't even recognize who it was until I got halfway down the aisle and then saw it was me. And he ran off of the pulpit, off of the stage, picked me up and carried me the rest of the way, <laughs> which is so fitting. Uh, you know, that's what God wants to do with all these people uh, that are listening today. If you think that you've gone too much, you've gone too far. Listen, God doesn't care what you've done. He cares about what you're going to do about it. You didn't necessarily continue living a Christian life, though, did you? Although you were saved. No, no I went as far the other direction as I could. Drugs, alcohol, uh, women, just it's anything and everything uh, that I could possibly do. And at 31 years old, I was bulletproof, but nothing was ever going to happen to me. And one night, I... Uh, I one a cutting and a roping, and we were coming home, and a friend of mine named Jover said, hey, let's go to Southern Junction. It's a club here out of Rockwall, not very far from here, and uh, let's let's go there and celebrate. Man, we won all this money. Of course, he was kind of a glorified cheerleader. He hadn't done nothing all day. I'm the one that did all the winning, but all of a sudden, my money became his money. I don't know <laughs> if he's got any friends like that, but... Uh, we, I said, no, man, I got to be at a, a contractor's meeting at 6 o'clock downtown Dallas. I can't do it. He said, oh, come on, man. We'll just have one beer. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I finally, I, I didn't take very much twist in my arm till I said, okay. And so I dropped him off at his house, took my horses home, uh, got all cleaned up, and went by and picked up jubbers and off to the club we went. 5,000 square dance floor. I mean, uh, all, anything and everything was there that you might want. And I'm telling you, one beer, uh, we had many. We didn't have just one. At 2 o'clock, they were pushing us out the door. And I don't know if you've seen two drunks stumble across a white park, white rock parking lot, but uh, I had jubbers around the neck, and he had me around the neck. It took 30 minutes to find my own vehicle. I put him in the truck, and I, he put me in the truck, and finally a miracle happened, Jim. We both wound up in the truck at the same time. <laughs> and off to the house we went, you know, and we talked about all the fun we had had, and all the pretty girls we had danced with. And I'm telling you, anybody out there thinks that sin's not fun, somebody tell them that, they're lying. It's fun. But they just don't tell you what God says about, about sin. It's only fun for a season. That is right. How long is a season? He's so smart. He don't tell you how long your season is. It could be a day. It could be the first time you try something. It could be two months, two years, you know, but God never gives up. He stays connected. So on the way home, we got to Jerry's house, Jover's house, and he got out and, you know, of course we had the windows rolled down and. You know, said goodbye, and then he started trotting up his sidewalk to go home, and uh, all of a sudden he turned around like many of us have done and ran back to the truck and stuck his head in the window and said, hey, man, we'll do it again. I said, you doggone right we will, mister. And so he turned around, started back home, and I drove off. And little did I know what lay in store for me just 10 miles down the road, how my whole life was fixing to change. So tell us, how did it change? What happened? 
Well, I was a mile from home going around a curve I'd gone around many times, and I had an old cow dog uh, that I'd raised from a little pup name was Rooster. And uh, Rooster went everywhere I went. I was going around a curve, and I just brought a brand-new 1986 Ford pickup. And uh, so I put a, it was a new toolbox on there. And my old toolbox uh, had a little indoor-outdoor carpet on the top of it, and that's where Rooster liked to ride and look out and see where we were going. And uh, But I hadn't done that yet. I was still in the wash and waxing every three days. But he's... He didn't care. He was riding on that slick toolbox. And as I went around the curve, I noticed out of my uh, right mirror that his head was sticking out there and he was shoving with his feet trying to stay up on top of that slick tool toolbox. And so I got a great idea. Too bad I was drunk when I got the idea, but I decided I'd just jerk the wheel a little bit, throw the puff back in the center of the bed of the pickup and then go on home. I was just a mile from home. It worked all right. I jerked the wheel, and Buck flew back in the center of my bed of my pickup, but my right front tire dropped off the pavement and caught a jagged edge in the road and blew out my right front tire. And as it blew out, I, I started to, to, to spin around, and as I started to spin around, when that rim of that blown-out tire hit the pavement, it just started to violently flip the truck. And the first flip, I was thrown out the passenger window uh, 61 feet through the air. Landed on my back, and the truck continued to roll. And when it came to a stop, it was about 30 feet from me, but it was upside down. But it was still running. I always like to say it was a Ford. It was still running. <laughs> All of a sudden, a uh, uh, big beller black smoke came up out of it, and uh, my first instinct was to get up and run. See, I, I, I'd been running from God uh, since I was 16 years old. Running was something I was very good at. I, I was a football player at, at Tom Ball High School. Uh, I graduated in 1973. I still got the record for the longest punt return. Uh, it's a uh, 104 yards, and uh, I in track I ran the 110 flat, nine nine unofficial. I was used to running. Running was a part of my life. I ran every day. It was part of my routine, you know. And lifted weights. That's that's what I I did. I was an athlete. I tried to move, and nothing for the first time in my life. Nothing moved, and I knew exactly at that moment. I knew. I told God, I said, well, I, I wrecked my new truck, I paralyzed myself, and on top of that, I killed my dog. And the Lord spoke to me, Jim, just like he's speaking, like I'm speaking to you right now, in an audible voice. And he said this, Randy, if you're going to live through this and make it, you've got to keep your eyes on me. That was audible voice right to you. Right to me, yeah. About that time, uh, uh, somebody ran up and, you know, he grabbed me by the hand. I, I didn't know. It was my neighbor. And he bent down over me. He wasn't even a doctor or nothing. He said, son, you're hurt. I said, well, I know that. Where is the ambulance? Uh, he said, what ambulance? You see, earlier, a while, as soon as I got through praying the prayer to God, 
uh, I saw what I consider to be an angel, an elderly man with a big brimmed hat, and he had it pulled down over his eyes so you couldn't see his eyes, and he had a big gray beard, faded Wrangler blue jeans, and an old farmer brown dicky coat. You know, the kind that comes yeah. down about the middle of your thigh? Yes, he had that is. on, and I said, I said, sir, I need some help. He didn't say anything, and I said again, sir, I said, I need some help. He said, I know you do, son. I've already sent for help. It's on the way. And so when my neighbor pulled up there, I didn't. I just seen him walk off. I, I, I mean, I didn't see him go into a haze or up in the air or fog or nothing. All of a sudden, he just wasn't there, and my neighbor appeared. And uh, so I, I told my neighbor uh, after I, he said, you're hurt. I said, I know I am. I said, who told you? To, did the old man tell you? And he said, what old man? Well, I described him again, the old man with the big brimmed hat and the big gray beard, faded Wrangler blue jeans and farmer brown dicky coat. Did, did he the one that come and told you? And he said, Randy, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Nobody has been here. I'm the first one to get here. You see, God said he, in his word, he encamps his angels around his people. And to me, the old cowboy was an angel. Thank God he didn't send me an angel with a mohawk leotard and an earring. <laughs> I might have got up and ran out of there. You know, but that just proves God knows us better than we know ourselves. So obviously you were hospitalized and you came out of there paralyzed after you got out of the hospital. How long were you hospitalized? Uh, 11 months and 22 days. So you were in bad shape. I lived a year. I lived a year in the hospital. I I had crushed my chin, broke my jaw in three places where the upper and lower jaw joined. I broke that in two. I knocked out eight teeth. I broke my neck at C4 and 5, and I broke my back at T6, 7, and 8. And the eighth vertebrae blew up and stuck bone fragments in my spinal cord, and that's what did the ultimate damage. For I couldn't move anything when I got to the hospital for 10 weeks. Nothing moved at all, only my eyes. And I could talk at a whisper. It instantly took the, the C4, that instantly took 68% of my capacity to breathe. Wow. So I, all I could do was whisper. You know, after 10 weeks, I'm right-handed, but I started moving my left thumb and my first finger, index finger. And it grew from that. To my upper body, and I just I can't tell God thank you enough. You know, I, I spent a long time in the hospital, and I I got to meet a lot of people that were paralyzed, a lot of people that uh, didn't make it, and it's just it's gut wrenching to to see what happens to people, and but it's miracle working to see what God can do in people's lives when they turn their life over to him. So you were on a path then to really seek God, I'm sure. From that from that moment on, from the time that he said, Randy, if you're going to live through this and make it, you got to keep your eyes on me. Uh, I've done my best to keep my eyes on him. Have I always? No, uh, I have, you know, but... I've done uh, the best that I could possibly do. 
recently started uh, preaching and uh, giving my testimony around the United States, and God has just blessed it in so many ways. I've started three churches now, and uh, we've had a 30-year ministry, and, and God has done some miraculous things. Were you married when that happened? No, I was not married. I, I met my wife. I, I used to do an act for uh, Super Bulls, bull riding, like much like the PBR is today. It was the beginning stages of the PBR, except it was called Super Bull. And we had 50 riders, 50 bull riders on a Friday night, 50 bull riders on a Saturday night. And then uh, dances after, you know. Uh, but I got in the middle, and they would buck 25 bulls, and then in the middle of it, they'd take a, a, a stretch or a break, and then I would, Jim Campbell was the announcer, and I, Jim would announce me, and I would come into the arena in my wheelchair, and then my partner would pick me up, put me on my horse, strap me in, and then I would do some reining maneuvers, spinning and running, sliding, doing circles and stuff. And then I'd come back up at the bucking shoots and he'd take the head stall off and I'd do it on my horse with nothing on his head at all. And so a little trick riding kind of deal. It was amazing what people thought. That was just so incredible. It gave me the opportunity to talk about Jesus. And Tim Campbell, uh, the announcer, was a, a born-again believer. And he and I, between he and I, we got to minister to uh, usually around 20,000 people uh, every night, telling the story of how God changed my life and where I was and giving the glory to God. The end of my little routine was I was riding around holding both hands as high as I could in the air and giving God the glory. And then tell my horse, whoa, and him just slide to a stop. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty incredible uh, deal. I had a great horse. So somewhere in there, you met a woman and you got married. And you don't have to give us the whole story. But now, I, so I was going to tell you, uh, during this Super Bowl tour, we had Friday during the day and Saturday during the day off. So Saturday, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, they were having... Uh, Equitana, which is a stallion uh, show, which all kind of breeds of stallions were brought to the fairgrounds, and that's where we were having the Super Bowl was at the fairgrounds. So we got up and went around. My, me and my buddy was looking around and everything, and, well, there was a, a guy in a stall, and this horse right in the, between his ears, it was pumping blood out. He had hit his head on the trailer coming out, and they got him to the stall, just like every heartbeat was pumping a pulse of blood out. And so I stopped. The guy's name was Doug Irwin. And I stopped there, and I said, hey, man, would you mind if I pray for your horse? And he said, we have tried everything. Would you please pray for the horse? And so we just laid hands on the horse and prayed for it. And dear God, the blood quit. went <laughs> out of his head. It coagulated up. Uh, Linda, my wife, was his sister, and she was in the back of the stall. That was the first time that I saw her, and so we prayed over the horse. Blood quit, and, you know, I, I told him, uh, you know, 
God is the best. Thank you. And maybe you'll come to a performance tonight and bring your sister. So, <laughs> uh, he did. And uh, that's, that's how I met Linda. And so you guys have been married how long now? Uh, it be 26 years. 26 years. My goodness. She's probably been one of the best things that's ever happened to you. The absolute best thing that ever happened to me. No, no question about that. And it was, she was God sent. You know, that's, that's how God does it. I, I wasn't looking. Uh, I was just trying to follow God. I, I wasn't looking. And God brought her into my life and, well, I tell you, you have an amazing story, but there's more to it. There's one other thing that I really want to cover in this short time that we have. You told me on the phone a few weeks ago, and this has to do with the recent diagnosis that you had, but you said, you know, one thing that's happened to me since this last diagnosis is the understanding that tell people you love them while you can, including your wife. So tell me what diagnosis you got just a few short weeks ago. I had had a, a bladder infection and went to the doctor and they gave me a shot, gave me some pills and the pills weren't working or anything. So, uh, I mean, I felt a little better, but I had a horrendous stomach ache and back ache. So one Tuesday afternoon, I told Linda, I said, well, let's just go to the ER and, and get this thing over with so we can get on with it. I got such a busy schedule coming up. Let, let's get this stuff behind. She said, okay. So we went to Baylor. Of course, you got to wait in the waiting room in the ER. And it was a Tuesday afternoon. And I, dear God, Jim, it was, I mean, it felt totally full. We had to look for a seat to sit in. A Spanish lady and her husband came in and she was just throwing up all over the place. And I was just so sick. And God said, Randy, go pray for her. And just as plain as I said it to you right then. And I looked at my wife and I said, Linda, God just told me. I'm so dizzy. I can't hardly sit up in my chair. And I said, God told me to go pray for that lady. And she said, well, you better go pray for her. So I rolled over and as I got to the man, the husband, I touched him on the shoulder and he looked up and I said, can I please pray? for your wife. He just broke down crying. So I laid hands on the lady and prayed for her. And, and she quit throwing up. And so I rolled back to my chair. And, and as I rolled back to my chair, they called my name to come into the back to, through the door to the nurse. And the first thing they do, you know, they ask some questions and everything. But as they're putting a blood pressure pump on you, you know, and that's the first thing they do, take your blood pressure. And I knew something was wrong. Nurse looked at my wife real funny and said, uh, Randy, let's try the other arm. Because that arm, I found out later, was 220 over 202. So she changed to the other arm, and it was 198 over 200. We're going to take you to do a CAT scan, and it won't take long, about 15 minutes, and you'll be back in here with your wife. That okay? And I said, yes, sir. So he took me back to a CAT scan machine. They did the CAT scan. They brought me back. And I hadn't been in the room again in the curtain area three or four minutes. And he comes and shoots those curtains back and says, Randy, made a coincidental find. He 
he says, John, I don't want to panic you, but you have an abdominal aortic aneurysm. And I said, oh, my God. I said, well, so do I have to have surgery? Right. He said, no, Randy, not, not right at the moment, but we're, we're going to keep you overnight for observation and we'll send a surgeon to your room. Jim, the surgeon never came. And and I, I know I understand now why. So I uh, the next day, the next evening at six, we got out of there and came home. And my doctor sent me to a doctor and tried to line me up to go to a doctor, uh, a vascular surgeon in uh, in uh, Rockwall. And before we even made the, the appointment, she called me. It's a woman. She called me, Doctor Ann, and said, Randy, this is above me, but I know somebody that can. There's only 10 doctors in the world that can do this surgery. Dr. Timron is the doctor that invented the operation. He's the one that taught the other nine how to do it. There's three in the United States, seven around the world. So is he? have you had it done yet? He will do it. It takes a six to eight weeks for kind of stent to be made. He told me he loved God, and he said, I, I just want you to know that God sent a special man to a gifted man, and I don't want you to quit doing anything you're doing. You just keep doing what you're doing, because God has it. I'm, uh, I'm excited uh, about what God's doing. Well, you know, one thing that uh, comes to my mind as you talk about this, which is really important, sometimes people, especially believers, spirit-filled believers, believe that doctors are, you know, maybe we shouldn't be dealing with doctors. And I just want people to know that God uses doctors. And boy, this is one great example of a believing doctor who's going to really help you. It's, uh, It's remarkable who God will bring into your life at just the right time. So soon you're going to be having this operation. You'll you'll be as normal as you ever were. Uh, yeah. But there's one thing you you mentioned you mentioned this to me uh, last week when we were talking, and I want to end with this because I think it's really really important. You said tell people you love them while you can because you and your wife were were faced with the reality that you could be in heaven very easily, very I, quickly. I, I could be. At any and moment. At, at any moment, not necessarily just on the operating table, but I, I began to tell my wife things that that I wanted her to know how much I really did love her. I understand, brother. That, that we had been through so many things together, and that maybe I hadn't taken... The proper time, maybe I had been feeling like I was too busy, or whatever the reasoning behind it. I just felt so compelled at, at that moment, and from that moment on, just to tell her how much I love her and how much I care for her, and that God really did send her into my life. And you know, behind every good man is a great woman, and and my wife is a great woman. Well, I think I'm married to one of those as well. 
<laughs> I know what that's like. Well, and it's a pleasure to be married to to a well, wonderful it woman, is. isn't and it? You just as soon as this podcast is over, I want you to go in there and hug on her and tell her how much you love her. I'm I'm going to do that. She she's been she's been sitting here beside me this whole time listening to you talk. Well, so. Yeah, she's uh, she is uh, probably the best thing that's ever happened to me, other than Jesus. She is the best thing that's ever happened well, to me. Well, I I just appreciate you, Jim, giving me the opportunity to to tell the true story. And you know, I, I always say that you don't have to believe what happened to me uh, simply because it didn't happen to you. It happened to me, and you can believe it if you want to. But sure. uh, God said. We would be known by the fruit of our spirit, our actions, and and I, I'm uh, I'm sitting here uh, on 42 acres uh, that's paid for with a beautiful church, unbelievable uh, arena that seats 1,500 in the bleachers, and uh, God has made a way for every bit of this to come to pass. And there's been over 567 people saved and born again. I'll tell you what, Randy, this is absolutely an amazing story. Uh, And to kind of wrap this up, uh, how can somebody contact you, get a hold of you, learn about what you're doing, or even learn about these saddles for people who are disabled? How can they get a hold of you if well, sure, and I'll, I'll give out my number. I mean, you can always reach me at 903-513-6108, or you can contact me or my wife at email by randy at birdsaddles.com or linda at birdsaddles.com, all lowercase. You can find me. You look up therapy saddles, just punch therapy saddles in and my name appeared up there. What a blessing. And thank you so much, Randy, for being part of this podcast. Your story, I know it's going to touch the hearts of a lot of people. What a blessing it has been for you to be on the show for people that are listening. And and I'd like to have you back sometime if you're hey, willing. Hey, I'm, I'm always willing. You know, I would like to say, uh, let's get this operation behind us and... Uh, then we'll see what new adventures God's got for us. Well, that right there is a story in and of itself. After you have this surgery, let's you and I talk, and we'll do another podcast, because you're going to get out of this just fine. You know yes, that, sir. don't you? I, I feel so confident uh, uh, about God. So all of you believers out there, don't be afraid of doctors. They could be the one that God is going to use to bless your life and That's change true. your life. So thank you all for listening today. And remember this, you have a story, and it's probably better than you think. If you'd like to tell me, you can contact me at mygrandpajimmy.com or mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com. All of you have a blessed day. If you like the podcast, be sure and subscribe. And again, Randy, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate it so much. You're very welcome, Jim. God bless you.